I am going to pray for Bernie and then hand over to Bernie. Um, Father God, we thank you for this new command that we're looking at today, do not steal, and for the amazing words of Jesus uh, about not worrying. These words seem so simple and Taryn was alluding to them in some ways earlier on and I pray that you will speak now through Bernie uh, and that each of us will hear what we need to hear this morning uh, through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bernie, over to you. Okay. A charge deal is one of the Ten Commandments of the Jewish Torah, as we know. It widely understood as moral imperatives by both Jewish, Catholic and post-Reformation scholars. The use of the word steal in the commandment was traditionally thought by Jewish commentaries to mean the kidnapping of another human, which would make for a capital offence. These two verses tell us how serious kidnapping was considered. The Exodus 21.16, Deuteronomy 24.7. If someone is caught kidnapping another Israelite, enslaving or selling the Israelite, then that kidnapper shall die, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. The Hebrew word translated as still, as steel, is no more common is now more commonly applied to material possessions in things we feel we own or belong to us personally. But then again, it's a slightly different thing to it. The account of Rachel stealing from her father Laban his idols and burying them under the ground and Laban chasing after trying to kill her, you know. Uh, but somehow you think of her actions, which is stealth, which is still robbery, as being fairly acceptable. As a kind of justice for the way that Laban treated Joseph, her husband, you don't feel as though you want to kill her like Laban did. Um, it's, it's a way of looking at stealing things in a certain, in a slightly different light. Do we steal to survive? Yes, we do. Restitution was always demanded in those days as well. May have been demanded for stealing, but there's no judicial penalty of death. In the book of Leviticus, the prohibition of robbing and stealing are repeated in the context of loving one neighbour as oneself. Neighbours must not oppress or rob each other. The meaning of stealing is also extended into what we now regard as other areas. Wages owed to a hired worker are not to be withheld. In points often, field modern commerce would not function the way it does without a bit of jiggery-pokery designed to go as near to the dividing line of acceptable practice and unacceptable practice as possible to maximise profit. As the price of goods is said to be forced down by the unknown and unproven market forces used as an acceptable excuse to lower wages. We often hear it explained as standard business practice or economic reality. How often then is it related to rising profits? What do we think of the person whose wages we lower? Because of our own greeds. That's something as Gandhi said. There is enough in the world for man's greeds, but not his, his needs, but not his greeds. The end result is the people in the face of spiring living costs 
and reducing incomes feel they have to resort to stealing to survive. If you've been there, you know what that means. Those that sympathise with their predicament then perhaps turn a blind eye to the ceiling, starting an erosion of truth and trust between people. Likewise in Romans, rulers such as those described as detestable, corrupted their entire state. The New Testament repeats a command not to steal and contains dire warnings about this political confidence of the practice which upheld the basic idea of private property rights and the proper role of governmental authorities in imposing thieves. Thieves are exhorted to steal no longer, but to work hard with their own hands so that they might have something to share with people in need. The hypocritical thing is personified by Judas, too secretly in part to money Jesus and the bottle raised for killing the poor. He objected when Mary anointed Jesus with pure lard. Pretending hypocritically, it would be useful to God, could be sold, and money given to the poor. So he got his wake up. There were some Pharisees like Judas. They stole, although preaching not to steal. While private property rights are affirmed, the overriding theme in the New Testament is that one should trust and hope in God rather than one's material possessions. And there is an acknowledgement of a struggle in the heart between loving God and loving money. It is said that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils in 1 Timothy 6. The book of Corinthians is said that thieves, swindlers, and greedy will be excluded from the kingdom of God as sure as adulterers and adulterers and the sexual immoral, but that those who leave these sins behind can be sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. But where do we stop it? This is the book for you. The command against stealing is seen as a natural consequence of the command to love your neighbour as yourself. The prohibition against desiring forbidden things is also seen as a moral imperative for the individual to exercise control of the thoughts of his mind and the desires of his heart. I must admit that only the Roman Catholic teaching regarded the commandment, you shall not steal, as an expression of the commandment to love your neighbour as yourself. I'll just read part of the Catechism. Rather good. Uh, the Roman Catholic Catholic, Church's Catechism, incidentally. The seventh commandment forbids unjustly taking or keeping the goods of one's neighbour and wronging him in any way with respect to his goods. It commands justice and charity in the care of earthly goods and the fruit of men's labour. For the sake of the common good, it requires respect for the universal destination of goods and respect for the right to private property. Bernie, just, just yeah. careful when you're moving things around, I think it makes a bit of a sound. Yeah, oh, sorry. <laughs> Catholic teaching states that in economic matters, respect for human dignity requires practicing temperance, a virtue that moderates attachment to worldly goods. Justice, a virtue that preserves your neighbor's rights and renders what is due, and solidarity in accordance with the golden rule. Even if it does not contradict explicit provisions of civil law, 
any form of unjustly taking and keeping the property of others is against the seventh commandment. Thus, deliberate retention of goods, rent, or of objects lost, business fraud, paying unjust wages, forcible prices by taking advantage of the innocence or hardship of others. The following are also considered morally illicit. Speculation by which one contrives to manipulate the price of goods artificially in order to gain an advantage to the detriment of others. Corruption, which one influences the judgment of those who must make decisions according to law. Appropriation and use private, for private purposes of the common goods of an enterprise work poorly done. Tax evasion, forgery of checks and invoices, excessive expenses of waste, willfully damaging private or public property is contrary to the moral law and requires reparation. In addition, Catholic teaching demands that the contracts and promises be strictly observed injustices require restitution to the owner. Detachment from riches is portrayed as obligatory for entering into the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit represents the expectation that those who do not receive all their physical longings are more inclined to seek fulfilment of their spiritual longings through Jesus Christ. The Lord grieves over the rich because they find their consolation the abundance of goods. I want to see God expressing the true desire of man. The water of eternal life quenches the thirst for God. Attachment to the good of this world but a bondage. The scriptural remedy is the desire for true happiness that is found in seeking and finding God. Holy people must struggle with grace from on high to obtain the good things God promises. Faithful Christians put to death their cravings and with the grace of God prevail over the seductions of pleasure and power. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his own soul? And that's a good point. Added to the Catholic interpretation is the following said by Thomas Aquinas. Catholic holds it if the need be so manifest and urgent that it is evident that the present need must be remedied by whatever means be at hand. For instance, where a person is in some imminent danger and there is no other possible remedy, then it is lawful for a man to succour his own need by means of another's property, by taking it either openly or secretly, nor is his property speaking theft or robbery. In other words, if you see somebody drowning in a river and there's a lifeboat, uh, a lifeboat hanging there that could belong to you, it's quite acceptable to pick it up and throw it in to save the person because it's probably property. But the concept of private property is a similar but different view is that of Martin Luther. It's interesting this because the Reformation time, when not only Martin Luther, but most of Europe or Northern Europe, would look at a way to justify what became conquest, exploitation, and all kinds of other things. But the different view of Luther is slightly different, as he describes this not 
to steal commandments to God's desire to protect private property rights. He views it as prohibiting not only the taking of another's property, but all unjust and fraudulent dealing in the marketplace, workplace, or any other place where transactions are conducted. Luther further describes negligence and dereliction of duty as violations of, of this commandment, if such negligence causes one's employer to suffer loss. Likewise, laziness and faithfulness demand the unpaid employment of viewed as fraud. That is worse than the petty theft can be prepared with lots of books. Now, I mean, do we all do that? You may think we don't. How many people have knocked up early when they've been told to work a little later? How many have said, oh, I've got fancy doing this anymore, and packed something in? Furthermore, in the market and in common trade, likewise, this practice is in full swing and force to the greatest extent, where one openly defaults another with bad merchandise, false measures, weights, coins, and by nimbleness and queer finances, or dexterous tricks takes advantage of him. Likewise, when one overcharges a person in the trade and wantonly drives a hard bargain, she gains a new Therefore, they are also called swivel chair robbers, land and highway robbers, not picklocks and sneak thieves who snatch away the ready cash, but who sit on the chair at home on a style great noblemen and horrible pious citizens, and yet rob and steal under a good, pre under a good pretext. And a lot of afraid. Martin Luther taught that it is each person's duty at the risk of God's displeasure, not only to do no injury to his neighbour, nor to deprive him of gain, of gain, nor to perpetuate any act of unpayment or malice, bargain or trade, but faithfully to preserve his property for him, to secure and promote his advantage, especially when one accepts money wages or one's livelihood for such service. Those who trespass this commandment may escape the hangman, but he shall not escape the wrath punishment of God. Through the hell that seems to impress upon the young, that they be careful not to follow the old lawless crowd, but keep their eyes fixed upon God's commandment, lest his wrath and punishment came upon them too. And Calvin explains that since injustice is an abomination to God, the intent of the commandment against stealing is that one must render to every man. This commandment forbids us to long after another man's goods, covetous. Calvin holds that each individual's possessions have not fallen to him by chance, but by the distribution of the sovereign Lord of all. Therefore, no one can pervert this means to bad purposes without committing a fraud on a divine dispensation. If you understand it, you can understand how the late Reformation led to the sort of colonization of Africa and places like that. They actually thought that because they could come to these places, that God was with them but doing so. Instead of exploiting the people, you know, it just simply made that much money out of it. It's unbelievable. Therefore, no one can prepare this to be a bad person of committing fraud on a divine dispensation. Yes, I mean, but what were they doing? They were using faith 
to do that to somebody else and justify themselves through that way. Calvin said that God sees a long train of deception by which the man of craft begins to lay nets for a simpler nature. But Calvin, by of this craft, not confined to money or merchandise or lands, but extends to every kind of right. We defraud our neighbours to their heads if we decline any of the duties which we are bound to perform towards them. God's wrath is incurred of an agent or an indulgent steward where is the substance of his employer or does not give due heed to the management of his property. If he unjustly squanders or luxuriously wastes the means entrusted to him, if a servant holds his master in derision, he holds his secret or in any way the treasure to his life or his goods. Likewise, the master ensures God's wrath if he truly, cruelly torments his household because he is guilty of that before God, along with all who fail to deliver what he owes to others. Keep back from things away from the God's end. The laws of the, the employment laws of this country also forbid you to do that. You're a player. You're not told about it. You can fire you straight away and even sue you for slander and a couple of other things. <laughs> Being a shop steward, yes, been told that. The uh, Calvin further teaches that obedience requires us to be contented with our lot. We should desire to acquire nothing but honest and lawful gain. We should not endeavour to grow rich by injustice, not to plunder our neighbour of his goods. That our own may be, may thereby be increased. We must not heap up wealth, cruelly wrung from the blood of others. It should be our constant aim faithfully to lend our counsel and aid to all so to assist them in retaining their property. Or if we do have to do with the perfidious or crafty, let us all be prepared to yield to one of our rights and to contend with them. Calvin further asserted that the individual Christian should contribute to the relief of those observed under, under the pressure of difficulties, assisting their wants out of one's own abundance. Calvin described the commandment against stealing as requiring unwavering delivery of and any all obligations. Let everyone, I say, just consider that in his own place and order, he owes to his neighbours and pay what he owes. Moreover, we must always have a reference to the lawgiver and so remember that the law is requiring us to promote and defend the interest and convenience of our fellow men applies equally to our minds and our hands. by John Calvin. You can see the differences between the Roman Catholic and the pre reformation Protestant ideas. But I don't know about you, but I often wonder about the concept of private property. After all, we came into the world with nothing and go out with the same. How can we use the words private property when all we have is on loan from God in the period we are here on earth? He does, however, require us to be sure of it. But can we truly say we really owe this or that when even time and space belong to the Lord? The Lord tells us of his thinking on the matter in Matthew 6, 25 to 34, 6, 12, 11. 
often using robbery as a means to obtain no cheer, but instead perhaps leaves a lifelong scar of self-distrust in our memories. Knowing we are further from innocence of what we thought, and certainly not sinless. Yes, indeed, none of us are righteous, except for the purity of the Lord, whom you know what it is to be righteous. I must admit, I'm not righteous. Stealing has far more downside than all, but it also has a lesson. When you are sensitized to your own sin, it can stop you judging others and make you aware of any hypocrisy in yourself. Sure, an example takes back. Basically, yep. stealing undergoes the moral Sorry, Bernie. Are you moving things around, Bernie? It's, it's making yeah, it. Yeah, I'll stop now. Sorry. I can relate many things regarding stealing, as most of us probably can. As people, we have to wrap Lord things that are unknowingly the product of stealing, dressed up in a language of deception, false justification, spoken either by ourselves to ourselves, by or by others, in an attempt to make them appear more acceptable. Yes, lying is often a part of stealing. Yeah. What we need is, as Max Picardo said, a radical reconstruction. Rejoice and be glad because you have a great reward waiting for you in heaven. Observe the sequence. First, we recognize we are in need. We're poor in spirit. Next, we repent of our self-sufficiency. We mourn. We quit calling the shots and surrender control to God. We weep. So grateful are we for this presence that we yearn for more of him. We hunger and thirst. As we grow closer to him, we become more like him. We forgive others, we're merciful. We change our outlook, we're pure in heart. We love others, we're peacemakers. We endure injustice, we're persecuted. It's no casual shift of attitude. It's a demolition of the old structure and a creation of the new. The more radical the change, greater the joy. And it's worth every effort but this is the joy of God. Yeah, seeing is not good, it's corrupting. Mm. If you've never had anything stolen off you, you'd know how corrupting it is in a way, because it not only corrupts the thief, it corrupts you, because what you're after is revenge. Now they guns back. Well, some may say, come in a halfway house and say, I don't care about stuff, though. Just give me the stuff back. Mm. But you don't look at the reason why the man or the woman stole them in the first place. Mm. No, yeah, you have compassion for them. Why do you steal them? Because your necessity for them was so great. What put you in a position of such of requiring such necessity and stupid to such means to have to obtain yeah. them? Yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you, Bernie. Have you finished? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Can't think about it now at the moment. That's not <laughs> you know. It's all yeah. going. Thank you for that, Bernie.